0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
1: Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast via BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from bourgain orchids and not forgetting giant dahlias. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with. Well, are they tips? Yes, they're advice on things like Christmas trees and houseplants for Christmas. We go straight to your calls. And this week... We start with Angie in South End. let's think of warm, sunny beautiful <laughs> weather perhaps you're in the Mediterranean and enjoying the Bougainvillea. is that right Angie in South End
2: yes good morning gentlemen yes I've had to bring my plant indoors good uh, but I am um, ha- uh, there's lots of leaves falling is that is that right what yes. can I do for
3: winter. It's perfectly normal, isn't it, yeah. Dave, for bougainvillea to do that? Yeah, they will sort of lose most of their leaves, if not all of the leaves, through the winter, um, especially when they get change of conditions as well. Um, so there's not really nothing to worry about. Thing to do is not let it get too wet. You don't want it be going through these sort of short day lengths, and that tends to be what affects plants, especially Mediterranean ones. The daylights and the natural light levels get shorter. Um, don't let it get too wet. You can always tidy it up because quite often when you bring them in after a season's worth of growth, they're they're quite unwieldy things. Um, And just keep it ticking over until it starts coming into growth again in the spring. You're fine. Have you got it in a a conservatory,
1: uh, Angie? Um,
2: No, I haven't got a conservatory, but I've brought it indoors it's not a huge plant at the moment it's, okay. it's quite small mm. so it is the right thing to do isn't
3: it yes yes. just, it's just not... keep it as as cool as you can without um, okay. getting it frosty you don't want it near radiators and, and overheat because that will no. cause as much damage as, as being cold yes yes uh,
2: I'll keep it in a cool place but, yes. but
3: don't worry it could drop all its leaves yeah. and then you might find
1: it's producing some new growth as well all at the same time because it's it's the temperature change you yeah. can't deal with and they are yeah. trying to drop Seems it. Seems to be what they do. Yep.
2: Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank That's you. a pleasure.
1: Angie will also need to possibly repot it if it's in quite a small pot in yeah. the spring. Not now. Let's go talking orchids with Sid in Clacton-on-Sea. Not so sunny, Clacton, today, eh, Sid? Uh, not bad. It's
4: not. It's right. <clears throat> it's, it's picking up. It's looking all good. right. <clears throat> good, good, good. Now, what are we going to do with which
1: orchid have you got, do you think? Is uh, it well, pan-
4: you probably know. It's the most common one, the tall ones. Uh, I don't know the technical word for them. The one that I looks like a pansy. Uh, it's a tall one. Yeah, it's a very tall one. Comes up. Where, you know, you see them in all the supermarkets. phalaenopsis. Yep. Yeah.
3: You know I mean? <clears throat>
1: phalaenopsis. Yeah. That's, That's yep. the name. Oh. Phalaenopsis. <laughs> what can we do for you then with it, see Well,
4: um, they're <clears throat> sold in a, a china pot. And inside is a plastic pot. I've got two grown very nice. Um, I don't know whether uh, I should take them out of, the place, out of the china pot and just use it for the plastic for the light random. them. Do I leave them in the pot or take
3: them out of the pot? Where's the best method? <laughs> <laughs> I, I presume the plastic pots are clear plastic pots, is it?
4: They are clear plastic pots. I can't understand why they put in a plastic pot and then they're stuck in a in a china pot. You know, yeah. I can't quite understand the logic.
3: Quite often, when you when they're brought as a gift or they're brought like that way, they're in a china pot to That's make it correct. look a bit nicer. Yeah. But quite often, the the china pot or the the drop-in pot is actually a bit too small because it's just going to fit the pot, not actually allow light. Around that pot around that you've got it in there, so I see. you could so,
4: so if the pot is big enough to get light in, then, then that's that'll fine. be okay.
3: Yeah, yeah. They just they tend to just do them to fit the pot they're dropping in, rather than having a you know an inch of space around there that is still going to allow light to the roots of the clear pot inside. Right. Um, it doesn't make a huge amount of difference. What you'll find is the roots will start climbing out the top of the pot more oh, so because they're trying right. to come to the light. But um, it depends on how you want to. Want to play it really?
4: But it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect them as long as they're not too rather, in their, Yeah, their they'd room. rather
3: not have it. But they re- react by roots coming out the pot at the top, which but is fine. Up. Just keep them misted, and, and, and that's what well, they they works, work. doesn't it? That's yeah. what the
1: how they grow really. isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
3: Right.
4: Okay. Then lovely. That's uh, right. I've got the
1: choice now. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> yeah, you've got the choice today, <laughs> Sid.
4: Thanks for your help. Have you, a bye. good
1: day and enjoy the orchid. And we're talking with Patricia from Lee. Is that Leon C, isn't it, or... Yes? Yes,
0: yes, Leon C.
1: We're all down the coast today, aren't we? Yeah, have you it's, noticed it's that? So joke. Yeah. Yes, it's rather
0: nice. The sun's gone now,
1: though. Uh, oh, dear, never mind. You, you're doing better than uh, I drove in, and I think it was raining when mm. I drove in, so... What are we oh. going to talk about today with you,
0: Patricia? Uh, bulbs. Is it too late to plant bulbs? I have, I'm having some bulbs given to me by somebody, and... Um, What do
3: I do with them now? I was going to say it's never too late to plant bulbs. Oh, even hyacinths
0: and...
3: um... That's fine. I mean, obviously, you won't get hyacinths to flower for Christmas if you're trying to force them, but in a garden or just letting them flower in pots for later in the spring, then that's absolutely fine. I've planted daffodils right up to Christmas, and they are still popped up, come up and flowered in the spring um, quite happily. The only thing sometimes, they they end up a little shorter in the stem when Mm. when they do it that way, but they're there... It's better to plant them late than not plant them at all. Oh, because I've
0: got an allotment, so I yeah. thought I'd put them in the allotment,
3: you know, when I get a dry day. I'll yeah, tell you what, well, yes, because a hyacinth,
1: even if it's a small-stemmed hyacinth, which it might be because it'll, it's being planted yeah. a
3: little bit late, they're a lovely cut flower. Yeah. yeah, and they still smell nice. Beautiful. I mean, we're only just really getting past into the tulip November. time. You normally know, plant mm. tulips much later, so if you've got any of them, they'll be fine as well.
0: Oh, so they
3: won't rot in the cold earth then? No, they should start to grow. The most important thing when you plant bulbs
1: is to check that the bulb is firm, and that's all you've got to worry about. Don't, obviously, if you're planting close to each other or in the same hole, perhaps a group of daffodils, see that there's not one in there that's rotten.
0: Oh, right. Because
1: it'll rot the others. How about that?
0: Yes, thank you very, very much.
1: When are you going to be doing that, Patricia? When are you going to be planting those?
0: Well, as soon as I get a, 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 well, a, a dry, sunny day. Cause that could be
1: about March then. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not looking good.
3: Next week is not looking good, I'm afraid, Patricia. So I still wait and
1: plant
0: them when the weather. Yes, nice. the
3: other thing you can do is just pop them into pots, which yeah. you can yeah. do when it's, you know, whatever the weather. Get them growing and plunge the pot in the allotment, and then when you've finished oh, flowering, you can lift the pot up, let them die down in the pot, and you've not got space tied up with bulbs on your allotment.
0: No, uh, I do like to grow flowers as well as vegetables. But uh, yes, right. Okay, then. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Right. Okay, and that's a, an interesting one because some years ago, and I mean quite a <laughs> long time ago, on BBC Essex, we used to do product a thing called product testing, mm. and I was given some daffodil, uh, some tulips in boxes from the Dutch, whatever they called the Dutch yeah. bold people, and they arrived ever so late. And they sat here and I didn't realise they were here. And then suddenly somebody said to me, Yeah, you got a box turned up for you, Ken, you know, and I opened it up. (laughs) I used to come in on Fridays and check all the mail and stuff, and I opened this box up and it had boxes of tulips in there. And it had about ten boxes of mixed coloured tulips. Mm. Now by this time it was gone Christmas. So I actually gave out those to listeners to trial in February. And they all said, oh, no, they won't, they won't flower, they won't flower. Anyway, they all reported back. And although they were late, yeah. they flowered. Yeah. And it, it, it's a ca- amazing that something just in the bulb yes. has got the flower, it's got the leaves, it's got everything in there. All yeah.
3: you do is pop it in the ground, and it grows. Well, if you import flowers like bulbs from the southern half of the hemisphere, yeah. away, Australia and so on, they come over as dormant bulbs when yours are just finishing. But you still plant them and they flower in the summer. <laughs> And then it takes them two years to actually get into a normal house flowering cycle. Unreal, they still flower, it? but you get daffodils in July.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny old world and all this mistreatment. I mean, and of course, we cool them down, don't we? Yeah. We we work with bulbs to get them to cool, to flower early. Yeah. It's like hyacinths. Yeah. We call them treated, but actually they're cool to think it's winter. <laughs> It's time now for Plant of the Week. And this week, well, we're going to look at something a little bit different. We're going on to grasses. Well, Miscanthus. Yes, it is a grass, which is generally from... uh, It originated Japan and China. It's pretty well non-invasive. Some of them grow several metres high, depending on variety. But you're not looking for something that grows several metres, are you? But let's leave that alone for a moment. It is grown commercially as a biomass fuel, which, of course, gets us generating electricity and heating. And you'll find across the whole of Europe, it is a very popular crop for farmers to grow for that purpose. We grow them, smaller varieties, for the, in the garden. They have an arching leaf, which sort of flows out, and the flower heads, they wish and wash in the wind. They're very attractive and they give a sense of, I don't know, sort of peace and tranquillity. They really are very nice indeed. Well worth growing and they will form large clumps, which later on in life you can cut into two or three and plant them somewhere else. Some of my favourite are Miscanthus flamingo. They have got a feathery pinky tinged with white head of flower. Others are white, oatmealy colours, creams and some are even a richer red indeed. They'll grow in pretty well any soil and all you have to do is in late winter, early spring, you cut them down to four to six inches to get rid of all that old dead grass. And then what happens? They'll grow up again and produce those lovely feathery heads. They're a great addition to any garden, so look out for some of the smaller growing Miscanthus. We've had an interesting week with a mixture of weather and yes, people are still gardening. It doesn't mean it stops just because we (laughs) had a bit of frost and a bit of rain. Gardening goes on
3: all year, believe it or not. You've got a question for us, haven't you, Dave, there? Who's that from? It's from James Stock, who happens to be the first team captain of Chelmsford Hockey Club. Oh, right. I didn't even know there was one, but there is, obviously. There you go. And he's got a south-facing window box, and he wants some winter colour that is low-maintenance. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a, quite well,
1: limiting this time of year. But. Except that things like viola, you yep. can get away with not deadhead. I oh, know you shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I, I shouldn't be saying you shouldn't deadhead them, but they will keep
3: flowering if you don't deadhead them. They will, whereas the yeah. pansy won't, will it? They will stop. And I, I mean, I'm useless at deadheading anyway, so I tend to always go violas, and they seem to, if you plant them where you will always say, plant the pansy in flower early enough, and it will keep flowering. Violas seem to be a bit more tolerant of just getting on with it and going. And you get
1: something, can you get them in big, biggish pots now?
3: You can get um, trailing violas. Oh, that would work well. They work brilliantly for window boxes because they they tend to be in a larger, they're in a box, but they're a larger cell um, and they're quite good. Things to probably avoid for low maintenance would be cyclamen. Yeah. Um, They look lovely, they're fine, but you need to clean them properly removing the flower heads right down into that corn because if, if they, not, don't, you get rot, they don't get they get rot and, and they gone. don't
1: like heavy frost do they really
3: no they'll, they'll flag for it and they'll put it back up but it does seem to sort of just, just give them a, an excuse to rot other things to do if you can still get some little dwarf bulbs yeah. just push them in you know push them in between some violas heathers? heathers or ivy as long as please don't buy <laughs> you don't sell them do you Disco Heathers. Disco Heathers? as we call them, do spray painted Heathers. Uh, 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 he's choking to <laughs> uh, be here. Much against my better judgment, but yes. Yeah, we only a few, the ones <laughs> that are spray. <laughs> <laughs> They're great for Christmas oh. planters. <laughs> anyway, we
1: won't go there on that one, unless you have an objection to spraying plants. Give us a call on our 800-111-4041. one forty forty one. We're nearly there, you know. You can ask things about Christmas planting, and we won't be offended. Um, but seriously, um, I'm just trying to think of some other things. Well, they, orange selenum, selenum selenum
3: they work, and they'll they tolerate do. cold through the winter. They'll take they? it, just not massive colds. But um, they seem yeah. to get by, and you can get white versions of those. Now. Now, really? The, the, instead of the orange berry, they actually sure. come out a yellowing, turn white. So that's quite interesting. <laughs> <A> it's different <laughs> is Gortharia? still about the little low one. Yeah. F- things like silver leaf for foliage. So you
1: build that up and yeah. you could actually make a really good show. We don't the, know how
3: big his window boxes are. Wind boxes might be are. For the co- hockey clubs so yeah. they are probably quite large, but you've got um, little skimmers that are yeah. staying buds from now right through to the spring and obviously open up that's and flower r- in the spring. Is that Rubella? Rubella. Really? And get red. those in a little nine centimetre pot for, for planting up containers and things. And evergreen grasses are also around this time of year for, for that extra bit of colour.
1: Now, I think, um, is it Al from Stow Market? Is that right, Al? Yeah, that's right, Ken. Now, Al, you're asking... You, you don't want to ask me this question, do you? You want to ask Dave this question, don't you, Al? Righto, if you say so, Ken. <laughs> <I'll>... Well, Dave, <laughs> yeah. Dave is... And has been president of the National day- Is Society. Chairman, it? Was, Chairman yeah. of the National Daily Society. Society. So I think he's your man for this question. Tell it- us more, what you'd like to know, Al.
5: Well, the giant day i Dave. Um, yeah. uh, the way went black, I've cut them down to the six inches, I've dug them up, mm-hmm. and um, I'm trying them out in the kitchen.
6: Right.
3: Which-
5: don't think it's right, but I haven't got a clue
1: how to store them.
3: Uh huh.
5: I've dug them up, now what?
1: Right, <laughs> let me ask you have you got a shed, a greenhouse? What have, you, what
3: have you got around the garden? Anything?
5: Garden shed.
3: Yeah. you got a shed? Garden shed. So if, if giants generally have really quite big fat stems, and that's always a problem with them because that's the bit that wants to rot. It's never the tubers themselves, the finger bits that rot, it's the stem down to them um if you've lifted them turn it upside down did you get most of the soil off yeah yep so that's fine allow that don't pick around them too much allow what's left to dry and crumble off but once the the tuber looks dry the skin looks dry on the surface don't let it shrivel um then you could probably just put them into your shed um anywhere that is frost free that's all you don't want them to do you don't want them hot so keeping them indoors will be too hot in the long term but it would be good for drying them out um, uh, but
5: so Could I put them in a cardboard box or the light or dark make any difference?
3: Don't? Uh, no, the light won't make any difference they are dormant um, you can put them in a box the only thing, I tend to leave mine in a cold greenhouse open on a bench so the air can move around them because they can get a bit of mould so um, I'll tend to keep them in a tray in the shed if we look like we're going to get some cold, cold weather then just pop them indoors for the night, um, or wrap them up in some some paper and fleece. Don't let them freeze, but if you if you box them up or wrap them up too much, then no air, they can get mouldy and can rot I anyway. See. So it's a case of not overcaring, <laughs> but not undercaring, and then just just uh, keep them dormant. Let them
5: lay in the bottom of the shed, say on some newspaper. Or yeah,
3: that would be fine. That, yeah, I've heard, I mean everyone does it differently. I've heard people that you can put them into trays in That's dry right. compost yeah. that will insulate them a bit but if it's not dry, you're adding moisture back to the tuber other people will sort of bury them like trenches in the ground in the straw, like a clamp I suppose they call mm. that, and that yeah. will work it's finding something that works for you with the environment you've got um, no, no one way of storing tubers is wrong if it works <laughs> it's, right. it, Thanks it's for one me. of them
6: because,
5: <laughs> um you are uh, Ken got time for a second. Quick question.
1: Of course we have, Al. No problem at all.
5: Do you trim down uh, old man's beard and clematis or do you leave it alone this time of year over winter? It will. Do you film re- or don't you?
3: It will regrow from the old stems. It depends on the plant whether because they will get a little bit out of hand sometimes is it very has it got a is it
1: coming away really heavily from the fence or the where, where are you growing it
5: it's um growing against the trellis and it's pretty
1: secure mm. so how far is it out from the trellis i mean does it come out a couple of feet two or three feet or what
5: no it's grown purposely to grow up. Trellis. And, it, and it's
1: tight into the trellis. I wouldn't necessarily no. do much to
3: it now, would you? No, I mean, it, as long as it's, if it's a, if it can, old man's beard's quite a broad term for clematis, isn't it? Because any that have got the, sort of, the flower heads get called that. So as long as it's not a large flowering clematis that you would normally prune hard back and grow from the base, I'd leave it alone, see where it regrows from. What's the yellow one? The yellow one is, is Bill McKenzie, is it? Yeah. That's but that's a, the that, autumn flower, or yeah.
1: But that has a quite a beardy, beardy looking beardy like look the, what more like the wild
3: one, yeah. which was called old man's beard. And most of those you tend to leave alone and just tidy up as and yeah. when you want. Is uh,
1: do you know right. what col- what um, color the flower was, Al? Yeah, it's
5: Oh, the flowers. I don't think it flowered this year, it's the first year, yeah. right? But they've gone quite high, about eight nine foot high. I was, didn't know where to trim them down to about six foot or something.
3: It, it, trim it, trim it, trim it back away. in the spring. Yeah, it, it wouldn't hurt if you wanted to tidy it up. Um, the danger is if we say to you, cull it to the floor and it's not, <laughs> it's not one of those ones, you're going to kill it. Um, so best to, to tidy it up, look at it in the spring and see where the new <clears throat> growth is coming from. And if it's coming from far up the plant, that's what you're going to do. If it starts coming out the ground... You can then just tidy it down to the new growth and let it go again.
5: Oh, that's great. Right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ken.
1: That's a pleasure. That's nice to hear from Al from Stow Market. Um, Now, this is from the armchair gardener in Braintree, and he says, (laughs) No flowers would grow in my garden, a friend told me. Spread hamster poo on the soil. I saw him a few months later. Any joy, he asked. Oh, yes, lots of lovely daffodils. Well, that's odd. You get tulips from hamster jam.
3: Oh, dear.
1: <laughs> I thought I'd just read that out. You know, thank you, mister. Not one of your best ones, but never mind. Keep them coming. <laughs> uh, do I remove long leaves from daylilies now or in the spring? I'd remove them now. T- yeah, they get they look slimy horrible. and snotty, don't they? Oh, yeah, we're just tidying. Get them rid of them. That number to call is 800 40 4041 That's 111-4041. And Wendy from Leon C is next. Oh, Hello, right. Wendy.
2: Hello. I'm still laughing at your
3: joke. Good morning, oh. you <laughs> well, There is one out there, This. <laughs>
2: No problem, but my roses are still blooming really lovely and they're budding, also, they're still budding. Yeah. What should I do?
1: Enjoy
3: them. <laughs> okay, I will do. It, it just seems to Is be a unusual? thing, it's a thing of the modern time now that you know, climate change has happened in enough that, that it's warmer later and things are doing things for longer than they normally would. Um, the only thing you've got to watch out for if, it, if you're not going to prune it or tidy it up. Is yes, that you don't so get any that. winter I've damage?
6: Yeah, the, you know, the dead stuff. Yeah,
3: and yeah. that you haven't got too too longer. I call it willowy growth. That if we do get snow or some strong winds, that will rock the plant or cause it some okay. damage.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's in a quite safe place. It's sheltered place, and I, I, you know I can't believe it. I, I mean, I've never <laughs> had my mind. I have had an iceberg that has been in bloom Christmas. Yeah, an iceberg, a white one. Yes, yeah. it.
3: Yeah, Is, is the one that's flowering now, is that a climbing rose no, or a no, bush? No, this is a red
2: one, and one called, uh, it's after my granddaughter, Olivia. Right. It's an Austin rose, that one. But so, they're, yeah, they're doing really well. It's
3: probably, that would be a shrub rose, so you wouldn't, you know, hard prune those. You really just sort of tidy them up and remove yeah. old flowering yeah. stuff once it gets old enough.
2: Ah, oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for your Enjoy help. Enjoy your flowers. And, uh,
1: your <laughs> yeah, you can pick a vase of them for Christmas, you see, and put them indoors, can't you? Been nice, wasn't it? Yeah, you see. Can't do that in my dailies. You can't. No, they've <laughs> had their day when the frost comes, haven't they? Let's uh, go to an iPhone an Let's go to an email. Let's go to an email now, and don't forget that number to call is 0800 oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Uh, text triple three. start the message with the word Essex and we're going to email now ken.crowther at uk. This is from Pam Shove. I thought you would like to see how my point poinsettia has come on after the advice you gave me over the last few months. To see the leaves changing colour is truly amazing and this will be its second season. I couldn't be happier. Having repotted my amaryllis earlier on I'm pleased to tell you that's started growing If I have the same success as with the poinsettias, that will be a bonus. And just a reminder that if you go to the podcast this afternoon, you can get more information about poinsettias. So, Pam, we've given you your information, so we won't have to, uh, you won't have to do that, but um, you can go to the podcast. Now, the podcast doesn't appear, if you go to BBC Sounds, um, we were hoping one day they'd put it under gardening, but they don't. <laughs> they seem to put it under Ken Crowder. So if you go to Ken Crowder's gardening show, you will find it. Uh, but it's not <laughs> under gardening. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, we're gardeners, aren't we? We're talking gardening. For goodness sake. Anyway, Essex Brenda. She's put Essex on the front of her her message from 81333. She has hot lips in her garden. She's in fact got three in the garden growing mm-hmm. and three in pots do i have to prune them she says
3: <laughs> i would <coughs> certainly a, a dead head and just <coughs> reduce you don't the have to be too dramatic do you at this time of year it's just to stop if we do if we do get snow um and that gets on the plant they can damage the plant. So i'd probably just maybe take a third back on them just to tidy them up and stop them being quite so sort of loose Stop them being loose. Yeah. Is, there, is there a funny? Do we part, have to worry they?
1: about? Do we have to worry about frost if they're in pots? There's an interesting one as well. I thought we'd better mention frost because we've had one. Yeah. I mean,
3: last winter <laughs> we didn't get much uh, cold no. weather. Whether we do or not, we never know. I think it's only if the pot, the whole pot, freezes. So if it's cold enough for the pot to be a solid ball of ice, mm. which doesn't take much with a small pot because it gets around all sides. Um, so you could always drag those ones up by the house to somewhere a little bit more sheltered so that they don't freeze so much but a little bit on the top won't hurt them but if the whole thing goes solid yes it might people worry about large
1: terracotta pots Mm. getting blown in winter if they're proper terracotta and they've got drainage they shouldn't blow at all should they no it's or do you get them cracking
3: they will because what tends to happen is people don't put them on pot feet right Um, okay so all most terracotta pots are guaranteed frost-proof, providing <laughs> that there is drainage in the pot and they are on pot feet or something that means that the base of the pot isn't in direct contact with the ground. So you wouldn't have to buy pot feet. You could put them on little bits of brick or bits you of could slate, slate stone. slate will do it. Bit of wood. And it just stops the frost creeping up from the ground. And if the pot sits on the surface, even if you put drainage in there, the sediment comes out, makes contact with the ground, and it will effectively block the hole up so the pot fills up with water, that freezes and as we know when water freezes it expands and is more than likely going to crack the pot or blow the the side, it will keep moisture in the clay itself so it is key that all pots will be frost proof if they're not sitting flat on the ground, lift them up and make sure that that drainage hole is free to drain otherwise it's going to be a bucket of water
1: back to your gardening questions in a little while but um right now on the bbcs it's gardening our podcast we've got some tips now what the tips well are they tips or are they just good advice from my guest today dave gillam christmas is coming very <laughs> soon for you people like yourself dave who run a garden center christmas is actually here isn't it
3: it is, yeah. It's probably been here a little while with the decorations <laughs> and things. They always go out early, but the trees have landed. The trees have landed. Yeah. Now, we need to look at trees
1: because I think there's a huge amount of confusion over trees, isn't yeah. there? Now, can I go right back to when I used to sell Christmas trees? <laughs> a few years ago, I got involved with that. And originally, we had a Norway spruce, which is what, what do you call it? A tradition? Traditional,
3: yeah. Are they still around? They are, but they are the minority now where they used to be pretty much the majority. They were. Um, but that's your Trafalgar Square tree. That's what what stands there. Obviously not quite as big as that one because you'd have to have a high ceiling, but the, they are the best traditional-looking tree. They smell a lovely piney smell, um, and they're, they're good now. They're, they're trimming them nice and tight and you're getting good shapes, but they will end up being probably bald by Christmas if you don't look after them so is it about that they're not as they can't withstand
1: the heat of the house as easily as say a non-drop
3: yeah it's, it's about the needle retention so when they dry out yeah then they just don't hold a needle and they will will shatter
1: okay so let's let's look at how we look after it we we buy it from
3: a good garden center nursery yeah what do we do with it when we get it home well you can buy it anytime um obviously all the trees that generally are here no one has fresh deliveries, you know. They've all been even. it might same, say so outside. They might have been cut at the same time, and they might have been delivered more recently to them. But they've been—they're all the same age. Um, so they've been cut, but they will last for ages outside. I mean, we've had a leftover trees looking good in February because they've just been outside and sitting there. Um, it's about getting it home, cutting the bottom of the stem, just like a bunch of flowers. A Bunch of flowers. Yep. You wouldn't take a bunch of flowers home, put it in a vase, and no water, nope. or not even cut the bottom. So cut the stem, pop it in a bucket of water, outside, no net, get the air around it, otherwise they can almost compost and congest, um, and then just try and hold off bringing that tree into until you have to. Now, what sort of timescale can we honestly think of for a traditional Christmas tree like we're talking about? Well, I think a traditional spruce, weeks to 10 days before Christmas. So bring it in 10 days beforehand, keep watering it, get it dressed, and then you should have a still a tree Christmas, even to New Year. You wouldn't bring it in on that first weekend of December and expect there to be It'll much left over. Be all on, on the floor. It will be on the floor. Now,
1: the other thing, the trick is, isn't it? I mean, I always remember when I was a child, my, my dad, I think, used to plunge it into a bucket of wet sand. But yeah. today we can buy stands that have got
3: reservoirs. Yeah, most of the tree stands have reservoirs. Just make sure you buy one that's got spare space don't buy a four inch stand for a tree that's got a four inch trunk because you're shoehorning it in and there's no room for water whatsoever in there so at least go up at least an inch so they do we do four five and six inch stands they're all adjustable so you can screw them in but it will leave room for water and a real six foot seven foot cut Christmas tree especially a Nordman they can drink a pint of water That's a day. That's what I was going to say. Is it a pint a it's day? It's about a pint a day. When so you've got to water go in. it every day, really. Yeah. So if that pot doesn't hold a pint, it's going to run out of water. And the moment it does is when they shut down and, and you'll start losing that gloss out of the tree. Right. Let's move then from traditional, which we know
1: is a, a, a more limited period, yeah. but a lovely tree. A little bit cheaper? Much cheaper. Probably Much half cheaper. the price. Half the price. But that... Uh for perhaps someone with lots of children it's gonna be a problem because yeah. they want the tree early and <laughs> we know. So we then have to go to a non drop. Yeah. Now these are these are Nordman, aren't they? Nordman. Um
3: we're changing the word to reduce drop <laughs> or minimal okay. drop. That's under the um, yeah, under non- the law. Yeah, non <laughs> yeah. drop says it's not gonna but they will if they're mistreated. Um but what they take is a little bit more mistreating. So we're treating those what exactly the same Exactly the same, but you could probably add another week or so onto that time where they're going to naturally last indoors. So you can bring it in possibly after the first week of December, um, keep it watered and it will remain, they will dry and they will look a bit dry by New Year, but they tend not to shatter the needles, they tend to retain them more so, but it won't be as green, as fresh as the time you take it in. Don't put them next to radiators, don't put them anywhere they're going to get knocked all the time because they, they hold them until you rattle them. Um, and just think about it is a live living thing that you're trying to keep alive in an environment it wouldn't want to naturally be. No, who'd want to?
1: It's <laughs> like sticking us outside with no clothes on in the middle of winter. It's,
3: yeah. the, it's the reverse, it, isn't
1: it? We're doing it? the reverse. Doing the reverse. Now, um, we mustn't forget that there's another whole range of trees, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Because we've got, um, got grown-in pots, potted... Yep. And what else we got? We got... Pots grown. Pot grown. So let's go through those,
3: because again, I think it's a minefield when you go and look at trees. It I really be. do. So grown in the pot would be anything at no bigger than probably a two-foot tree. So these are generally conifer species rather than the traditional Christmas trees, so Picea conica and things like that. And they're grown open field, much like the shrubs and all the other plants are grown in this country. Um, in the pot, outdoors pot grown generally is the tree is grown in a larger pot, so it's probably a bucket sized pot, and that is plunged in the ground where the tree spends its life. When they lift it they lift the pot up and out and there will be roots outside of the pot which are then cut to the pot's circumference, but there is still a root ball in so that, the pot. So that, that one has got quite a good chance of survival for year on year if it, you it, wanted it to pot it up after Christmas. It is like... When you get root balled hedging plants, they've got something. They will generally survive. And as long as you don't keep them indoors for too long, because you're going to change the environment, um, they normally always continue to grow on the following year. The other one is potted. Now, that is
1: what is that a tree that's just lifted out of the ground and I was going to say stuffed in a pot, but perhaps (laughs) we
3: should say potted. It is generally just cut within the circumference of of the pot that's going to be put into, lifted out and put in there. And the, and the root is consists of stubs, really. So there it hasn't no, got much root. There isn't a root ball. Eventually you'll take that out of the pot and it'll look like a, a small hand from the trunk where the main roots have been severed. They will stay fresher than a cut tree indoors, but they won't survive much longer onwards. Very unlikely to get it going on from year to year. So we've got to think about each tree. Most important thing is... Ask the questions when you it go is. out to a garden centre or nursery. Ask what you're buying. You can ask where they're coming from. Most trees are now Scottish, Irish, few from Denmark. Um, and know what you're taking home and make sure that you're buying a tree out of the net and seeing it before you take it home. The Gardening Hour
1: podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Well, we were down the coast, weren't we, of Essex? Um, I'll read you this one, it's an email. I hope all is well. I'm writing from Buenos Aires in Argentina. <laughs> my wife and I follow you every week on Apple Podcast. Huge fans of your show. Unfortunately, being here means it's difficult for us to call in. So I thought I would write my question. I am attaching a photo, one of which I highlighted the issue. We have a rhododendron which we get got from the garden center 18 months ago. I've just finished, it's just finished flowering and it flowered well last year. Last year we did some deadheading after flowering. However, I think we must be doing something wrong. So my main question is how and if we should be deadheading after flowering. So yes. we'll answer that one first before we move on. The answer is... Yes. It is, I
3: know what they're saying, don't you? It's a hard one to, you don't deadhead with secateurs, with roadies, or I don't, I just get the cluster of the stems that are left bunch them together and just bend them away from the the tip and you'll find it just breaks off nice and cleanly at the top of the stem because what you're saying is that a lot of the time there's new growth already growing yes out the, each side of the, the flower. buds and the forming buds are just sitting there in that very tip of the plant you can go into to a second with secateurs but i wouldn't i just tend a head just by it Grab, grab the bunch and just push down, and you'll find they cleanly break away, leaving the buds intact at the top of the stem. And what I didn't finish reading out was that they last year cut it just
1: below the yeah, so they've cut the bud out. So that, that has that has answered it. You never don't use secateurs ever, no, unless you just you're bend reducing them out the with, your, with, your, with your finger and your thumb, yeah. Um this seems to create quite a, a quirky growth it will do it will, yeah. you'll get a horrible growth so i think we've answered marcos uh in buenos aires and it's nice to hear you <laughs> he's got <laughs> i must just show you the picture he's getting a very strange that's his that's his picture of his flower yeah it's quite a large flower actually isn't it it's, it is yeah uh, it's uh and he's obviously doing it totally wrong. Yes, he's getting a, a lumpy sort of growth, growth from low down, and the then it, and then it will flower lower down. It's not doing it right. So they are. Thank you for writing to us, and we're pleased to hear from anyone across the world here at BBC Essex because that's what BBC Sounds does for you. Maybe we should go out there and advise him in person. Well, there is that. Do you think he take the show on the road? Do you think he? Well, there's. I'll I'll have a word with the (laughs) boss and see what she says. Shall I do that? Yeah. Um, Let's go to Brenda in Clacton. Oh no, we did, Brenda. Can you help? I have a good glut. Of daffodils each year but past few years only one comes out. Can it be visiting cats going to the loo in them? Flory in in Chalfant. Now what she's not saying, Flory, is are they planted naturalized? Mm -hmm. Are they in the ground or has she lifted and replanted? Because we don't know do we? So so let's take it they're in the ground in a bed. Mm It sounds like like.
3: they've been there for a a year or two. So they've been in there for more than a season. Quite often, as we all know, when you you plant new daffodils or new bulbs, you get a wonderful show of flower in that first year, and then the second year, not much. It is only down to bulb care thereafter. People forget to, to water the bulbs or the daffodil, Because when they're flowering, there's plenty of moisture about normally. It's It's normally. (laughs) Yeah. And then they finish flowering, and the leaves start dying down, and we're going into summer, and we're not getting a lot of rain Mm. and natural water in the ground. But it's then that they are building the bulb for the following year to flower. So if you don't water them, you've got to keep watering them all the way down until Mm. the the foliage is completely yellow and shriveled. Then they should be fine. Feed as well with a high potash feed tomato food, something like that, or even you can get sulphate of potash, good dusting of that on there, because potash builds bulbs, it helps feed the bulb back up and if you can get that bulb back to somewhere near the size it was when you first planted it, it will flower again the following year.
1: And what we've also got to remember is that the original bulb will die out and the new ones will form. So, I mean, that, yeah. that's happening as well, isn't it? it so is, there's yeah. lots
3: of things happening to bulbs that we don't see because they're underground. No, so most bulbs, if you look after them, you can get that, that mother bulb, as, as yep. you might call it. You can get that going for at least pre- perhaps two years, by which time the the, the, the others are bu- ready. side bulbs have got big enough to flower. But only if you look after them like you're suggesting. Yeah, otherwise the middle bulb will die. The mm-hmm. side bulbs, the bulblets, the offsets won't be big enough to flower so that second year quite often you just get a lot of green leaves if you don't then look after them you'll only get the odd flower that the bulb's got big enough so it is after care not pre-care um you buy in the bulb when you get a bulb it's pre-loaded the grower's done it all for you you could put that in water and it will flower it mm. won't do it the next year if you don't look after it i always remember my mum and dad used to have a, a an
1: area of fruit trees and underneath that they had lots of i mean hundreds and hundreds mm. of daffodils and I always remember thinking one year why they disappeared and in fact it was a drought year Yeah, and we forget that actually although they're sitting in the ground if the drought year starts early enough yeah, they're not getting that nutrient and water into the bulb to make it perform next no. spring are they? Quite
3: often once they've done their cycle they will produce roots even though the bulb isn't yeah. growing they've got roots and if the roots then dry out They're sort of skipper stage in their development, so it's just a bit of care. But once you get past July, they're done. You know, they're they're in there waiting to come back for the following year. But look after them up until that end of June, July time. I was amazed. It was just two. I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. I planted
1: some pheasant eye, but I hadn't got all of them that I wanted for Mm -hmm. this area. And I planted some, and then the rest of the batch turned up. So I went back to plant the others, and you know what I'm going to say. You I dug, up the, I dug up the ones that I'd already <laughs> planted. And do you know, in two weeks,
3: yeah.
1: they'd, they'd sorted themselves out. The roots were like inch
3: yeah. to two inches long. Yeah. And that's in two weeks, because the ground's warm. Yeah. Isn't it? And, it, and it's weird, and it's the right time. They want to wake up, mm. um, but it doesn't take long for them to get going. You might not see them stick out the top for a while, no. Um, but they will grow oh. away quite quickly. And sort of what you can't see, you don't do deal with. But you need to, you know, is a root, is a bulb. So we don't think it's the cats. No, no, it's just. It's clearly. actually purely looking after them,
1: Florrie, I hope that's of help to you. And I'm going to go back to the phones now and talk to Ron in Rayleigh. Hello, Ron. Good morning. Um,
7: I hope this is a quick one. Uh, I've got uh, quite a few Xantodesia in pots and amaryllis in pots on my patio, and I uh, certainly the Xantodesias are very overcrowded now. Need need repotting. I'm just in two minds as to when I need to do this. Should I just keep them in the pots over winter and do it in the spring?
3: Are these the the white centaurea or the, the all the little coloured ones?
7: Well, they're mo- mostly coloured ones.
3: Right, because oh, they're not as tough, are they? No, no, and they don't tend to make quite the same clumps. Um, they're not a hundred percent hardy, so I would try to just protect the clump as it is through the winter.
7: I usually store them in the shelter of. Between my shed and the back fence, yep. and they
3: seem to come through the winter okay, like that. that right, obviously works works for you, so stick with that. Don't change that. Um, but if you're going to divide them, repot them, or plant them, then do that um, in the spring. Okay. So just just before, just as they look like they're starting to wake yep. up, get in there and divide that clump up, pot them up, um, and then grow them through that year. If you do it now, you're you're asking for damage or rot that might get into the plant. Keep okay. them sound. Do it right. in the spring.
7: And does the same apply to the amaryllis?
3: Are these Belladonna amaryllis, or are they? Um, or at, your um, normal ind- indoor/outdoor? Outdoor.
7: outdoor they're, they're they're in the same sort of situation. They're yeah, out yeah. in my patio yeah. in large pots.
3: Yes, yeah, so just do the same.
7: And they're looking overcrowded as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they they like being overcrowded. Yeah, they a bit. do enjoy it. It's yeah, like in the rooms. The
1: same. Heard,
7: but I mean, it's, this is really overcrowded.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's pushing the limits, is it?
7: I've left them for. The quite a few years and and they are, you know, they're really
3: struggling now. Well, uh, yeah, because Noreen's belladonna, there's also another in between a Noreen and an Amaryllis that's coming around now, a new variety. I know, I couldn't, do you know, out of three bulbs, I only got one of those to flower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're they're apparently what they're called. Yeah. Okay, well, and, but do that in the spring um, yeah, because right, that's when you normally plug. Uh, no. no, you sit in your chair and watch the telly. <laughs> no, or listen to us. More <laughs> important,
1: they yeah. are Ron, BBC Essex. Thanks a lot. That's, uh, okay, Ron, and don't forget that you can pick up on the podcast of this programme plus extra tips and advice and Plant of the Week as well. And that's all uh, on the podcast, which you can find under Ken Crowder on the <laughs> Sounds app, the BBC Sounds app. Uh, no, don't look for gardening. You can't find it there. No, 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 no. Talking of gardening and weather changes, which we have, we mm-hmm. keep, you, we've mentioned it, funny enough, we've mentioned it twice today, yeah. how the, it is affecting everything that's growing. Things are flowering that we don't expect to flower mm-hmm. this time of year. And particularly where we've had a cold snap two two frosts maybe yeah. we've had this year and then a lot of plants will take that as a winter sometimes, won't they? Yeah. And then they'll think it's spring. If it goes mild, That's they'll it. think it's spring even though they've hardly finished dropping their leaf. Yeah. And that does cause
3: gardening and gardeners quite a problem, doesn't it? It does, because you know, especially any of the tender plants, one cold snap, they go, right, winter's here, tuck in, Yeah. pull the covers up and then when the, the weather warms up, it's a sign of spring, and they don't m- know whether that's been two weeks or two months. Because they can't read. <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't know what the calendar is. They haven't flicked it over. They're just working on temperatures um, and sometimes day lengths. So they will start coming into growth prematurely, and then we get another cold snap. And they get zapped. And they get zapped. So just keep an eye on things. It isn't the first cold snaps that you need to worry about. It's if we get it warm and then cold again. That's when the frost protection. You need to get the fleece out and protect any new growth that may have come a bit out of season. So what we're saying is that we
1: should um, we should really have fleece at hand. I know it's a good sale for garden centres, but in fact it lasts year on year. (laughs) It's one of the
3: cheapest things I think we sell. It's it's just one of those things. But fleece at hand or, or provision to move plants if they're in pots, and just look at the plant. You know, go out with your coffee in the morning and look at what the garden is doing, so you can react. To the, to the weather forecast and what's happening on there. But yeah. particularly if any plants start to grow um, soon, they've had the cold and they start coming into life, that's the bits that you need to protect, not the, the sort of bare stems, yeah. anything that's new. Roses do it quite often, um, especially if you tidy them up, they come into the growth. Just keep an eye on those fresh young tips.
1: Now you mentioned roses. So we've had a, a text which has come in on 81333, with Essex on the front. And this is an interesting one. I in past years I've cut roses from neighbours gardens, put them carefully into my freezer, and given to them <laughs> on Christmas morning in a loaned vase. Be, be careful as they're very brittle. And that's from <laughs> Don Dot Savile in uh, Rayleigh. So how does that work? I mean if you surely if it doesn't, the, doesn't the doesn't the cell structure get crushed? In a rose, if you
3: freeze it and defreeze it, no, no I've I, probably I really not got so. that. Depends how much moisture is in the petal, doesn't you it? You might be right. So if it isn't that watery, then it, it may stay intact. But uh, it's not something I've ever, ever tried. I've put f- daffodils in fridges before, and but not freezers, but not not roses in the freezers. No. So doc, you got a new one on there on us for that. So. um... I'd rather have a, a, one of those tins with roses on given to me for Christmas <laughs> rather than the frozen one. Another one with the sweets in the middle and the lovely Yeah, them. yeah,
2: yeah. We can always do with those, especially <laughs> around get, Christmas, get can't we? Get by you? with
3: those. Well, as we said um,
1: earlier when we were doing tips, we'll be back to your calls, emails and texts in just a moment. But I'll tell you what we're going to go for. I can't resist asking Dave Gillam, who <laughs> <laughs> runs a garden centre, about poinsettias. It's got to be the, the bane of people's life at Christmas. Some of them drop, some of them don't drop, some of them go red year on year. Yeah. Some of them are pink, white, right. sparkly, marbled. marbled.
3: Where do we start with poinsettias, and are they still as popular, Dave? They're, they're probably not quite. I think, certainly from, from what we're seeing from us, I mean, the, there's a lot of um, competition out there with super the large supermarkets and so here. on, but we quite often see the people that would buy one from that situation come back to us to buy one again. Um, things you've got to watch out for is, if they can, get them English grown. Um, English They've grown, got flags on them, haven't they? They have, and they're normally badged up to do so. What point poinsettias don't like is being transported around the, the, the world, the, around Europe, around the country. They go into cold lorries, they go into to depots, and they get shocks. You know, They don't like cold drafts, they don't like change of temperatures. So they, There's something else isn't there, though, is don't the
1: Dutch ones, or the Dutch, or wherever they're grown in, in Europe, do they grow them faster than we yes. do? Isn't that something to do with it as well? The, I
3: mean, I don't. They're more often more showy when you see them. They have bigger red bracts, yeah. slightly longer jointed plants because they're, they're producing a quick crop. The faster you can grow something, the less money you're investing into heating it, labour, and so on. English growers tend to grow them slower. There'd be slightly smaller leaf bracts on them, not quite as showy but they're more likely to see you through Christmas and continue on from there. So they can tolerate sl- slightly lower temperatures? They can. They can certainly tolerate the var- <coughs> variances. Right, OK. Um, because they're not grown so hot in the first place. You know, it is like going on holiday, having lovely hot weather for two weeks. You come back home, it's cold, it's wet, you feel it. If you've not gone there, it do not feel quite so bad, does it? So it is about how they're grown When you buy it, make sure you get it popped into a sleeve to protect the drafts as you take it across the car park and put it into a car, take it home. I was going to say, don't leave it in the car while you you spend hours shopping somewhere else. And then pop it indoors. You don't want cold drafts, but at the same time, you don't want to be putting it on top of a radiator So somewhere where it's just going to get a nice, consistent environment and just don't overwater, don't underwater but just keep it ticking along and so, they should see you through. So would you would you
1: class that as touch moist moist when you touch with your finger? Yeah, if it's moist when
3: you touch, it doesn't leave it alone. It. The other thing as well is just give it a get the feel the weight. If it, if it feels a bit heavy in the pot, that's fine. There's something in there. Rather go here on the side of slightly dry rather than wet. Now, are red poinsettias still the most popular? Yes. Yeah, they are. I think second pop, most popular is white. So it's <laughs> traditional colours, really. Yeah, it's red, it's fine. white. Yeah.
1: Although they've introduced all these many other ones. Yes. Yeah. We still end up with those
3: red and white. Red and and then white. it's probably eight, eight out of ten will be red to white. That's incredible. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It depends on the colour scheme of your room, I suppose. <laughs> yes, that's true.
1: So poinsettias still traditional at Christmas. Yeah. Um Some of us hate
3: them. Some of us like them. The, the, you know. But they still sell, won't they? I think they're cheap enough, they last long enough. If you look at it, they're probably no dearer than a bunch of flowers, and they're going to last longer, hopefully, than a good value. Whether it's worth trying to keep them going from one year to the next, possibly not. I tend to think leave that to the professionals and just get a fresh one the next year. Well, there's the gardening phone in, and yes, you can phone just like Veronica has. Uh,
1: she's not silly, she has rung from Kent oh we better speak to her then because she knows where to come for the best gardening advice don't you veronica
6: i do i definitely do
1: <laughs> how can we help you
6: good morning ken i'm dave morning. my question is um i've got two borders on the front and i get a lot of weeds because i'm the first uh, my it's a bit hilly and i get all the weeds into my garden and the bo- I've docked the borders over, but I'm still getting weeds through. If I put a thick layer of leaf mould on, would that stop the weeds coming through? <laughs>
3: um, it will stop. It will help stop the weeds or any weeds that are on the top of the soil when you put it on. Yes. But if you're getting weed seed blowing in from, from outside of your garden and there's leaf mould on the top, it's... It will, they will still probably germinate in the in surface the mold. of the leaf mould so it will be good for your soil it will improve your ground it will reduce anything that's there at the time you put it on yeah. but it may not stop new ones growing on the top of the leaf mould but okay. I think all the benefits of doing that actually outweigh yes. the negatives improving the ground, keeping the moisture in the ground adding the, that, that humus that leaf mould into it is well worth doing
6: is it worth digging it in or just leaving leave, it on top?
3: I'll just leave, leave it, it on it top and let the worms do the work for you. All right.
6: Thank you. Could I ask you a question on my kale I grow?
3: Of can, Veronica.
6: It's the, the, the Italian kale.
3: Yeah. yeah.
6: The bobbly, with the bubbly leaves.
3: The long leaves.
6: And they do say that um, you have to leave it till the frost. Is that so the, the leaves get sweeter?
3: It's a bit like Brussels sprouts and parsnips. I always, no. you know, say that they're better when it's when they've been frosted. But um, I would pick it when it's ready and pick enjoy
6: please. it. Thank you very much for your help.
3: That's a pleasure. That's Veronica from Kent. She's hey. Yeah,
1: I don't want to listen to that busy Kent gardening people. Come to <laughs> us; we're much better. We're much friendlier over here. A quick email. We planted some lavender plants, Hidcote, earlier this year. They have given us a wonderful display of colour and scent through the summer. Along with an abundance of bees, they've done their job throughout the garden. I read that the flower head should be pruned after flowering. However, the flower heads are just starting to fade. Seen that on several lavenders, actually. Is it too late to prune now? Or should I leave it until the spring? I would do it. Um, I think
3: if- But not cut, normally you cut into the foliage. Yes, you go in below where the flower stem comes from, the main stem, but I would certainly deadhead them. And give them a little tidy and then maybe give them a bit more of a prune in the spring if you don't with lavender that's when you see these big yeah. lavender bushes that you are three to... quarters bare in the middle and bits Th- on the tips they've
1: got to be controlled they've got to be trimmed regularly it's yeah.
3: not that they just don't look anything do they and i think you've got to bite the bullet sometimes and cut some flowers off and do it yeah. a bit earlier in the year to get that flush of new growth before the winter comes and thank you very much
1: um Doug and Jill, because it's very nice to hear your last comment to Doug is uh, keep up the best one hour of listening on a Saturday morning. Thank you. You can say that every day. I don't (laughs) mind. Yeah, it's nice to hear from you. Uh, Thank you for Doug and Jill. We're going to go back to the phones now and talk to David. Hello, David from Brentwood. What can we do, David? Morning, Ken. Morning, Ken and Dave. Morning. Uh, What can I do to stop a fox digging up my violas on my patio i've chased him down the garden he gets back to the <laughs> gets back to the patio
3: before i do um and i don't
5: yeah. know
3: what to do because i'm getting so fed up of replanting these blooming violas did, that what, i've grown off in plugs did you put have you used bone meal or poultry pellets or no, fish and bone no, in the pots at all
1: the, just the slow release pellets
3: right yeah because sometimes if you use that it, they're digging in there, yeah, trying I'd to find like, where the bone is. But, the bone there, yeah, it's yeah. not a,
1: a real deterrent
3: for foxes. No, you there? can only just put a bit of chicken wire or something like that domed over the top, and then it, once they get there and they can't really do much about it, they tend to sort of move on and find something else. Let's Go but, next door. Um, can I, yeah. I
6: put a bit of chilli powder? Can I put a bit of chilli powder on or
3: something? You can try it, Would but I, like I don't you? know that it will put them it, off. It'll only work if they're trying to eat what's there. I mean, it works for squirrels if you coat stuff in chilli powder because yeah,
4: that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but they just.
7: Doesn't it just digs them out? And you know, they, they, <laughs> his,
3: his
5: nose goes in, and yeah. the way they
3: go, is just digging them out all the time. Yeah, I'll try it. It wouldn't hurt, but probably the only way you'll really stop him is to get some chicken wire and make a little dome that fits around the side, and they it, will get bored with it in the end. Still, if you've got an answer to David, you can uh, email me or
1: text me oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Text eight one triple three, put Essex on the front. And we'll go from there. Um, Our armchair gardener says, Sorry, boys, but I bought that joke from Max Bygraves in 56 for three shillings. I think he overpaid. He did. In the past (laughs) years, I know we did that the gardener and put them carefully. The lady who texted you earlier about her poinsettia that she had kept going for the last year, how has she got it to turn red now, please? Well, in fact, we told her in October... (laughs) <laughs> what to do how many how many weeks is it is it 13 14 weeks or something isn't it's, it it's um... so about 14 weeks yeah. you have to keep it dark for 12 hours a uh, 12 yeah 12 hours yes in a cupboard with a black polythene bag over it and then you remove that give it daylight and then put it back again so it's a lot of
3: aggravation but <laughs> it's a lot of
1: aggravation but you have to do it from about october onwards so in fact that's how she did it And she was obviously quite successful because she's actually got it going red. Now, we must say that some of the newer varieties
3: actually do go red on their own, don't they? Yeah, I've seen them doing it, just keeping them in a a lounge um, and just keep them tidy, keep them dry through the summer, just keep them ticking along. And they still go red Um, because modern breeding has has made it easier. The nurserymen don't want to have all that aggravation from when they're trying to produce a crop at at a cost. So the good breeding has made it a bit easier. But just try to keep the plant alive quite often. You'll find they will turn, turn red themselves. Okay, now we've got a leak problem here. The man's got little... I've seen this before. Someone uh, produced one of these to me at, at work the other week. It's um, onion fly. And it's a and nasty little fly. grubby thing. In fact, it's, it's, it's a, got quite a hardish shell, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's, it? it's a fly or allium fly. So they lay. Oh, sorry. Eggs. This
1: is Peter from Black Notley who sent in these pictures on email
3: for us. They they lay eggs on onions and leeks. They lay them two times of the year, and um, so September October is uh, the most recent. And then they eggs go into little tiny little maggot and then it crystallises, which is what we're seeing there, the little brown Which is why it's confusion,
1: because it looks... You think to yourself, well, how can that have done that damage? But it's actually already done the damage. It was a maggot
3: before, like a vine weevil grub in there doing the damage. Um, But they're only around for generally two months of the year, it being October... September, October, and again, I think it's April, May. I don't Is there's you. Is there any. It's only you by putting on. There's no control as no. far as chemical control. Fleet. Not hydro The net. Yeah. What's it called? The um, uh, insect net, really. Insect but net, yeah. You don't need that so much as long as it's. Because that's for uh, carrot root fly, which yeah. is minute. These flies are normal fly size flies. So as long as a fly can't fly through it, you can use it. But it's only protecting them in those two windows when they're laying the eggs. And only lay them on onions leeks it's basically an allium fly an allium fly
1: Yeah. no no help to you peter <laughs> other than you can still eat them because they're, yeah. they're not a problem you no, just, just peel off the outside and eat off, the rest of it, it. Yeah. and there's nothing like leeks oh, done in a frying can with a bit of bit of frying pan with a bit of butter or something and a bit of onion with it
3: <laughs> oh you mix onion with them do just you? to give it that little oh but then to turn it into bubble and squeak no i don't like bubble and squeak
1: never have my mum used to do bubble and squeak never liked it i like but bubble
3: to... and squeak with sprouts don't like <laughs> sprouts
1: uh, <laughs> june from harlow wants to know she's got a Lalandai hedge which she trims regularly she trimmed it back in the summer and it's grown a lot it's a golden lalandei she says mm-hmm. and she wants to know whether she can trim it now
2: yeah. What would
1: you do? I mean, honestly, it's it's we're back,
3: we're back to this sort of weather thing, aren't we? It, we don't a, know what the hell's going on with the weather, do we? Um, if you can avoid it, I would leave it for a bit um, to, to the spring. But actually, you know, if it was your garden or you're out there gardening and you want to get the job done and you want to keep it tidy, I'd probably do it myself. I'd, I'd go and do it. Um, but, it, you know, it depends what weather is coming, but they're pretty tough old things. And sometimes by not trimming them and not allowing them to get too big, you're going to have to cut them harder and then we all know what happens then, we, we end up with bare patches so I'd have a go but not everyone would probably tell you to do that. Chris, Chris in Doddinghurst says that he sees uh,
1: fruit trees in garden centres, just mm-hmm. like your own. Do you sell many fruit trees in containers? Quite a few, yeah. uh, And he also obviously sees a mail order bare <laughs> root. Yeah. What are the advantages, he's saying, of buying it already growing in a container from a garden centre, which he points out is a little bit more expensive than buying a bare root
3: tree? Probably about two years. Um, oh, it's, normally it's a two-year difference. When you buy a bare root, you normally get a maiden, so it's a single stem that you've got to then grow on where the trees in, you know, are feathered and are fruiting stage. The other side of it is you've got um, reliable growing on. So planting a bare root plant has more risk of it actually growing and establishing than planting one that is containerized with its own root system you're just popping out of a pot and into the ground. Huge amount are sold at bare root, aren't they, though? There are because I think it's a it is a, a price thing, but then if you've got to grow a plant on for two seasons in a pot to get a, a good growing plant to go, and most centres, like us you know, they're guaranteed where bare root plants generally aren't. Out of interest then, if you bought an apple tree that's how
1: many years old do you reckon the they are the ones probably, you're selling?
3: Probably be three years, so maybe they pro- And they're producing fruit already? Yeah, yeah they're fruit, actually fruit on the garden center. Oh, is that where you get your apples from? <laughs> 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 so that's an
1: interesting one. So they are, that's the difference. Thank you very much. That's Chris in Doddinghurst. And just last but not least, poor Janice. Janice is having trouble. Um, she thinks it's a badger which has caused recent damage to our fence. Any suggestions for a deterrent? Or shall we replace the fence now or leave it uh, for a while in case the badger comes back and repeats the damage? I reckon you've got your work cut out, actually, stopping badgers
3: doing anything, haven't you? The best they? thing to do is cut a hole in it, put a sign saying welcome, and just let them go through. <laughs> but <because> actually, pe- <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to well, do. Well, people do, don't they? They
1: do actually put holes in fences yeah. to let badgers go in and out because at the end they're going
3: to damage the fence. I had a friend that so put a very it. expensive solid wooden gate on the side of his house after it was all tattered at the bottom and then that night it sounded like someone was going at it with a sledgehammer and it was a badger trying to get back through. <laughs> let him through. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex
1: Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you via the BBC Sounds app. Not forgetting, if you have a gardening question, give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme next Saturday. Yes, every Saturday morning. It's the Gardening Phone-In from 11. <laughs>